0: There. I'm Naughty Holder, and I am your new guide this festive season as we catch up and drop in on Robbie and Ida Williams at their favourite time of year. Okay, Naughty, are you going to do the thing? What thing? You know. Ah, my voice
1: isn't warmed up. Anyway, what are you doing interrupting? Because I want you to do the thing. Get us all in a festive mood. Ah, oh, dear. If I do, will you leave me in peace for a little while? Come on, Naughty. Naughty, Naughty, Naughty. Don't be naughty. Give it to us, Naughty. Just once. You know you want to. Okay. It's Robbie and Ida's favorite time
0: of year. This year, it's Stay Safe Christmas!
2: Hi everybody.
1: Hello everybody. I
2: am Robert Peter Williams and
1: I am Ida Field Williams
2: of Beverlyshire mm. in the hills of 90210 and we are back to do a Christmas podcast special. Two Christmas
0: podcast specials no less.
1: Is it is it two? Is it is it only two? Yeah, it's only two.
0: Two is better than one and three's a crowd or the recommended family groups that can meet this Christmas, depending on where you live, of course. Now, before we crack on, if you're familiar with this show, you'll know this already, but just so we're covered, there will be some swearing as we go on. So, if there's any young ears listening, you have
1: been warned. Why are we cutting the merriment short? I don't know. Actually, I really enjoyed it. I the like podcasts. doing the Christmas podcast. We better make these two. Should 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 we slag off ourselves for only doing two Christmas podcasts and then do more? What a
0: pair of wankers!
1: See, I told you. I imagine the Williamsy swear jar
0: is overflowing in 2020 What a bunch of Scrooges. Let's make these two episodes really, really special. Should
1: we make? Should we make the two feel like eight? I don't know if that, that's good or bad, though. If we make two feel like eight, it might be... Oh,
2: you've made the last week feel as though it's mm-hmm. eight mm-hmm. weeks. Yum, 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 You really have.
1: The festivities... The, the festive merriment rolls in with the jokes.
2: Bubba, up,
1: Yeah, what is have it? have
2: you what? been? How, <laughs> how have you been?
1: Do you know what? Well, first of all, I just want to say, just before we wave goodbye to 2020, we wanted to end with some positivity and hopefully bring some of that to all of you as well as we celebrate some of those who have kept things going right up until Christmas. Yeah, hear!
0: Which is why in this episode, Robbie and Ida drop in virtually to a hospital in Stoke to hear from a couple of people who've been working tirelessly to make things better for so many this year. We'll also hear about Robbie's new festive song, which apparently was all Ida's
1: idea. But more on that later. Anyway, how have I been, blue? Do you know what? This year has been a fucking shocker. I'm, I'm, I, 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 I I, know I, I curse sometimes. I try not to curse. Um... Aside from Bo's birth, which obviously goes on a 10 scale of happiness and joy, this fucking year has been shit. It's been awful. It started in January with my mother being diagnosed with cancer, and I thought, this seems like it's like a shitty start to the year. Little did I know that a pandemic was going to take over and ruin everyone's lives as well. Uh... I am, how am I is the question. I am getting through it, Robert Peter Williams. I am going through my highs and my lows with it. Today I feel good. Yesterday I felt terrible. Yesterday was the first day I realized I spoke to my mom because, because of this pandemic, I haven't been able to actually touch her or hold her since February. And I'm now many miles apart from her and I can't get to her. And yesterday was the first realization that, I'm not gonna see my mom for Christmas. I'm gonna be miles and miles apart from her for the first time, I think my whole life. We're not
2: heading down an upbeat cul-de-sac with your story. Well, you though.
1: asked me. Well, the thing is, I got an email from my mom today, and it was quite sad that her it was basically Well, here
2: we go again. There's another level.
1: Well, we're talking about Christmas. We'll go back to the fun stuff. But if you're asking how I am, right in that moment, I'm just giving you the truthful answer, which is fuck. This, this this Christmas thing, because, you know, Christmas is my favorite time of year, Yeah, as you know. If I think back to us doing these podcasts last year, and it was like we were talking about recipes and decorations and Christmas okay, traditions. Okay, well, let me ask
2: you a question. If you could help yourself out of uh, thinking about the catastrophe that 2020 has been and your mom's woes and her ailments, if you could lift yourself up and say to Ida, this is what you need to do. Over the next few coming weeks to enjoy yourself at Christmas, what would you say?
1: Oh, I hundred percent will I will I will not let COVID take away our Christmas. I mean, that is one thing I am very clear on. Is as shit as I feel today, I have my good moments and my bad moments. You know, I I plan on, in the face of COVID, allowing the spirit of christmas to enter my heart and spread in our family. I I am very clear on that. I know that there's going to be some Terry's chocolate oranges involved. There's going to be lots of gin and tonic and too much wine. There's there's going to be I think be... what you're
2: saying is this yeah. that uh, with our health workers in mind and yeah. being respectful well, think... and being respectful of the people that place their lives in peril every day just to care for people. With them in mind, uh, we'll put that to the side a second. We'll just say, fuck COVID.
1: <laughs> yeah, fuck COVID.
2: Fuck COVID. Fuck. fuck COVID, man.
1: Fuck you, COVID. Can I just say it? It's like, like I never say it out loud, but like, yeah, yeah. I'm, fuck you. Fuck you for being so awful. You know, like, just the shittest fucking, shittest fucking thing you could do to the world, COVID. Like, Just angry at COVID. If COVID was like one of those punching bags, I'd kick the shit out of it. Like, like, like you've done nothing good, COVID. I mean, listen, there have been some some silver linings and dark moments of, you know, focus on family. This the the small stuff counts, not the not the external stuff. There have been some really beautiful moments in COVID. I'm not taking those away. But my God, do I wish COVID had never happened? I feel like we could have found some beautiful moments without COVID. Um, I'm angry at COVID. I I I feel I haven't let go of my anger at COVID.
2: I think we should go into the uh, festive period with the moniker of fuck COVID. Every time that we sort of um, succumb to a negative thought about the perilous nature of our world right now, we should replace it just until the new year starts uh, and maybe after that with fuck COVID.
1: Yeah, like well, more like fuck you, COVID. Fuck, not fuck COVID and let's be irresponsible and and fuck COVID. I'm not gonna pay attention to the rules and regulations. None of that. I just mean fuck you, COVID. You're an asshole. You are number one asshole in my book. I had some other people on the list before. Nope, COVID. I was thinking
2: more along the lines of carry on. Ooh with respect to everybody's health, of course, carry on regardless and have the best Christmas that we could have. Oh, yeah. Have.
1: I, I feel quite a... um, And I, I want to be really careful with my language because when I say a rebellious streak, it's not rebellious in terms of against rules and regulations because I think those are essential to us actually getting rid of this fucking nightmare. But, but I feel this rebellious streak. It's like COVID has taken away so much... From so many people, from everyone that I know. And and just speaking for myself, I fucking refuse to let COVID take away my precious Christmas. Because Christmas is something I look forward to every year. It is literally like it is literally in my being. Like if I could live in North Pole and be friends with the elves, I would. I'd I'd live part-time in the North Pole. I think
2: if there was a religion and it would be
1: christmas for me
2: I, and there is i know there, there is, is a religion, a religion. there is there, a religion. is there is a religion we tend
1: to bypass the religious part and just go Forget to like putting in presents and stuff but if there could be like the religion of okay christmas, okay
2: let, let's take let's take the christ out of it
1: kind of like, like church like church <laughs> like can christmas be pulled out and it just be like the church of santa
2: yeah, the, like, the Church I, of Santa. Church of Santa. Let's let's just make up this religion now. What would the first commandment be of the uh what was the what was the religion? Thou shalt called?
1: thou shalt drink mold wine.
2: Thou shalt drink mold wine. Thou shalt thou shalt spread merriment.
1: Thou shalt spread merriment. Thou shalt always kiss under mistletoe.
2: Yeah. Thou shalt wish goodwill to all men and women.
1: Thou shalt Make toys year-round.
2: Thou shalt eat too much chocolate.
1: That one, I just... I think there'd be two lines of that because mm-hmm. it's that important.
2: Thou shalt sit through Moonraker again.
1: Mm-hmm. Thou shalt love home alone too.
2: Yeah. Um, thou shalt give rather than receive.
1: And thou shalt re-gift if you don't like what you receive. There you go. Dave cracked it. And apologies
0: for anyone sensitive to swearing... That was a lot, even by the Williamsy standards. Now, if 2020 has taught us anything, is that people respond very differently to rules or commandments, as Robbie and Ida were just discussing. Thou shalt eat too much chocolate, feels less a rule, more a prediction for the state in which many of us may find ourselves in the coming days. Be kind to yourselves.
1: By the way, I kind of miss our—I miss, you know, like in the midst of all the things that have been happening. My headspace wasn't on the Christmas podcast because there's been so much other real shit that's been happening. But just sat here with you talking about Christmas in these obviously very different— Seats and by seats, I don't mean physical seats, I mean perspective seats. You know, it's like last year it was a, such a different beginning to the conversation of Christmas. And 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 this year it's like, whoa, is it are we really here? We're talking about a Christmas podcast, and there's been a pandemic. But I feel so happy just talking about Christmas with you and doing our podcast right now. It feels like A little return to home, like some normalcy, you know, like something that feels really comfortable and it's getting me excited about Christmas instead of super angry at COVID.
2: Personally, I did prefer when we did our Christmas podcast when we were in the comfy
1: seats. Yeah, these are uncomfortable, I'm not going to lie. These
2: are like waiting in an airport. Do you think
1: it's because we're like a year older that our backs are a year stiffer? No, no,
2: I, I think these seats are shit.
1: We're in shit seats right now.
2: We're in shit seats, you you shitty seat
1: I mean, if it was possible, we could just lay in bed and do this, but we can't. That would be nice. Should we pretend we're in bed? And so, dear listeners, that is actually what Robbie and Ida
0: did. But they wanted to get comfortable because it's time for our first guest. Someone to be admired at any time, but even more so
1: in this age of COVID. Over to you, Ida. Obviously, there are thousands of you who are doing incredible things, and we applaud all of you. But we wanted to head to Rob's hometown, virtually, of course, for this episode. Sharon is a senior sister at the Royal Stoke University Hospital.
3: Hello. Oh, there Hi,
2: you are. Sharon. How are you doing, Sharon.
3: darling? I'm all right. Yourselves?
2: Not too bad. So, Sharon, you're in Stoke-on-Trent. I am, yes. Do you know, it's... I I have heard of it. I I can pinpoint it on a map. If I was asked on Mastermind, put a pin in Stoke-on-Trent, I would get it. So you've been working with the elderly all the way through COVID?
3: All the way through COVID. I mean, I've been working with them for the last 30-odd years.
2: What did you think at the start of this whole thing? What was your feeling about what was happening to the
3: planet? Fear more than anything. Uncertainty. Uh, what's going to happen? We, we just knew it was severe. We knew the death toll was high, and the severity of the illness uh, was high as well. And it's something new for the NHS. We've never been through anything—not in my lifetime, and not in a lot of generations really who worked in the NHS. Uh, so it was the fear of the unknown and how we were going to tackle the unknown.
2: When did that fear subside? Has the fear subsided?
3: No. I don't think no. I don't think the fear ever subsides. We've got more knowledge about it, um, and because we're working in the hospital and we've nursed patients with COVID, that side is sort of the fear isn't as great now. But that uncertainty is still there. The fear of you always want to do the best for your patients, and at the moment, the hospital environment is such a strange environment. You know. Patients can't see their families, and and particularly in older adults, a lot of them rely on their sons, daughters, grandchildren, you know, to lift the spirits up and see them, and not being able to see them, you know, it's been really hard for the patients, really hard. Uh, You know, we do things, we do things like Zoom and Facebook, and a lot of our patients, they've got their own mobile phone and FaceTime their families, so you know, electrical communications there, but it's not the same. It's not the same as face-to-face.
1: You must have gone through your own emotions with it that have been quite quite difficult yourself because at the base of it, you're a human doing your best that you can every day in the face of something you've never seen. Like, how have you managed to work through it or survive? Or have you felt that something's been kind of your rock in this situation? Like, how have you managed to exist in this space which is so difficult
3: for so long? There's so many different ways. I mean, work-wise, it's the people you work with because we're all going through the same things. We're all trying to manage the same issues and work through it. And and the fact that we were all going through it, it it meant that we were all talking about it, and that was the main thing, talking. You you have to talk about it. You've got to say about your anxieties and your fears and, and what's worrying you because you've got such a serious job to do and I can't tell you how busy we became and the amount of hours staff worked and and they, they did those hours, you know, we've all got families and personal life as well, but the need was for us to be here and so we were shattered, we were stressed, we were shattered and we had some lovely things happen from the general public as well What kept you going. You know, sometimes they sort of donate oat cakes to the wards and, you know, little things. Well, And they're such small things, but I don't think the general public realised how much it means to us.
1: And, yeah. and, and how does it affect, because, you know, you touched on it before about your families, because here you are not only exhausted, but you're incredibly, you're in a very vulnerable position and the fact that you're you're with elderly people you have to stay healthy to make sure that you have no part in anything that happens to them which then puts a huge pressure amount on your family like what they can do you know food shopping you know touching things like how did that change your like how did you kind of when you came home how did your home dynamic shift in the middle of this pandemic as you're facing this crisis?
3: To be fair, I mean, um, my partner was home because uh, obviously they weren't working during the lockdown. So he took over that role. He sort of looked after the home and did the shopping. Um, I mean, I wasn't coming in till very late hours. Um, didn't see my son probably very late at night. And most of the time he, he may be in bed. Or, you know, didn't really want to talk who's that tired. One thing one thing that's just as I'm
2: as I'm listening to you and talking to you, I, I realize that for us, COVID um sort of rears its ugly head sporadically. And you obviously think about it once a day or twice a day, maybe three times a day. But you're at the coal face, you're down the pits 24 hours a day. You have you managed to take any time away to do something for yourself that isn't COVID related or pandemic related?
3: Not really. It has been full on because even when you're on your days off, you're constantly worried about your staff. So you're checking in, making sure everybody's turned in, is everybody safe? Is everybody healthy? Um patients-wise, how are they all doing? So you can you you never switch off. Is there a horizon that you
2: can see where there's a clearing where things might be different within a couple of months, several months? What, how do you foresee this going?
3: There is a horizon. You have to believe there's a horizon. Um, it's positive now that they're coming up with the vaccines and, and that's, that's giving you more hope that you know, your future will look a little bit more normal. In terms of how we're treating the patients at the moment, nothing's changed in terms of how we sort of look after the patients because the vaccines aren't ready yet. So we still have to do the main things, you know, your protective clothing, your face mask, your goggles, your apron's penny, they will not change. And I can't see them changing in the near future until we know for sure the vaccines work and that's going to take some time. You have to be realistic. And
2: Why do you think some people can do your job and other people have different characteristics? Because it's very much, I notice that when I do my live chats or my Instagrams and I speak to people on them, they're very often carers and I always come away from those chats feeling like my my love tank has been filled up i know that's a a a bad analogy but i i always feel that they're very very special people what what makes somebody like you able to do the job that you
3: do i think even with the uncertainty the stress the anxiety you love i love my job I never yeah. wanted to do anything else.
1: By the way, that just gave me chills when you said that. It really did. You
3: know, it's it's part of me. Don't get me wrong. I have days where I can swear my head off and it drives me <laughs> nuts sort of thing. But would I change it? Never. And I think a lot of people who come into the healthcare profession all have that feeling. You know, it's all about, it's there, it's in you.
1: I mean, people listening to this won't be able to see your face, but literally when you said, I love my job, I, I felt every fiber of that and your face lit up. And I just, I felt it like from across this computer screen and it was really beautiful because I felt I felt that to be truly authentic and I felt the love that you feel for the people you're caring for. And what you do is so incredible. And I feel like so many people, including myself, I feel like I'd, I would be beaten down by it incapable of like, of of stepping up to the challenge and you just you the way you talk about it is so it's so incredible because it seems so natural to you and you you just have a way when you're speaking about your job that's really just
2: I su- I I also suppose that like you know with with what we do for a living it's kind it of seems s- so silly. it's so no but no no it's it's not it's not only it's not only silly but it's really <laughs> selfish <laughs> You um in the best way possible put me to shame thinking about your character, your kindness and your spirit and what you what you're capable of too on a daily basis, 24 hours a day caring. I oh God, I it
3: it's it blows my mind thinking about it. I know, but it's, it's what it's what you get from it as well. So you know. It's not just what you do, it's what you get from it. It's to see some to know that you've given the best care possible to a patient. And the smile you get from a patient, you know, the touch of the hand saying thank you. And it's the little things they give back to you. It just makes everything worth it. It 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 pushes you on to say, well, you know, we are doing something important here, you know. Sometimes we can't change um, things. Sometimes the outcome for some patients isn't good, but we were there with them. You know, we we we, were, we sat there with them. We spoke to them. and We were with the relatives and supporting the relatives, and you know, and just knowing that the we were there helping them whenever they need is it, it, it's just uh, it, it's it's just brilliant.
1: You know, like are there moments when in what you've been doing where you just thought, because obviously you've been doing it for 30 years, and I imagine this is probably the most intense of those 30 years it's ever been. Has there ever been a moment when
3: you just thought, I, I can't? I, I had a day, I did have a day like that where I had a, a lot of staff coming down with COVID symptoms, and it it was just seeing... The morning comes, one staff rang in, and then another staff and then another staff and then another staff and they're all presenting with the symptoms. I already had quite a few staff off with COVID anyway. The worry, I, I can't I can't even put it into words as a manager, the worry you feel about every member of staff because you, you just feel that you can't do anything. You want to do something for them. You're worried a case, that, you know, their condition gets to the point where they're going to be hospitalised. I can remember one evening, because what I always did, I always used to ring them up. It's sort of every other day, how are you doing, how are you feeling, is there anything you need, any shopping you need me to do, and just to check on that. My... And I sat there thinking, I can't do this anymore. I, I can't come in tomorrow. I just can't. I've got. I can't do it. I just my brain just seized up. I just, I just can't. Well, so what? What do? You, what was it that got you through that? I think. Well, I, I knew. I mean, I, it didn't help. I was doing a lot of hours that week, mm. and so what I decided is that that's it. I, I just had to leave. So I finished work, went home, spoke to my partner, and I spoke to my partner really, and had a really. A good cry. I just cried. I just cried and had a couple of glasses of wine yes. <laughs> and and just sat there with him. And then I woke up in the morning and I still didn't want to go work because I I, I knew what I'd be facing. I, I knew that it's just going to be the same day as he was before. But then I was thinking, well, I've got to go work. I've got to go work because patients, they need looking after. Sister needs to be there to coordinate everything and to support all the other staff. So I've had a shower, got my uniform on, got work. I was still very tearful. And this is where your team is the most important thing at the moment. And I did. I cried. I cried in front of them. And whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. But I think in a way it was a good thing because they saw the, you know, I am going through it as well as you are. I'm feel I'm feeling your pain. And it was good to let that out with them. But having that sort of wobble was good in one way because it allowed me to carry on. You know, something that I felt along the way during quarantine was this notion of
1: self-care. How do you create self-care? You know, and I wonder how have you with no sleep, overworked, all these hours, all this stuff. Like, how have you or have you been able to create any moments of self-care for yourself?
3: I have It's a a small way. Do you know, out of all this, I miss the small things. I missed not doing a a Sunday dinner. Do you know, I missed not being in the kitchen with my son and trying to make his cakes and things like that. You know, I've missed the small, I've missed just sitting there. I don't know, it's six o'clock in the evening watching, you know, really rubbish TV sort of thing and just moaning. I've just missed the normal basic things because even though you want to do it, your mindset's still at work.
2: Two questions, Sharon. So when you're not at work and you're in your car or you're going around Stoke, are you looking out of your window at people and in your head going, I can't believe they're doing that? Whatever it is they're doing, is that what you're doing all of the time? As you're going, can you believe those idiots over there?
3: Sometimes you just feel like grabbing some people Go, listen, you know, you're not getting it. You're not getting what's happening in the world. And sometimes I do think some of these people need to come in and have a look at what's going on in the huh? NHS and looking at how, The the severity of the COVID and how quick, you know, that person have a diagnosis and deteriorate that quickly. And, you know, speak to the relatives who just have to live through watching the loved one pass away and not being able to see him. You know, a lot of these uh, patients, family, they have to choose which loved one's going to sit by the bedside if if it become an end of life. Now, how horrible is that?
2: Can you imagine telling somebody last December that this was going to be this December? You wouldn't have believed it. So, Sharon, as a way to wrap up this wonderful chat that we're, we're having and have had, if there was a message that you could get out to the general public, what would that message be?
3: COVID-19 is here. It's, it's not just for... You know, a lot of people think, it's all right, I'll do it just this one time. I'm not arming anybody, if I could just go see my mate next door or anything like that, but you are, because you don't know whether your mate's infected or not. You don't know when you go down the parks in groups and play that's who's infected or not. It's invisible, uh, this uh, virus is, until you start presenting with symptoms. And my message to the people is it picks everyone. You know, it's not just for the old, it's for the young, it's for um, anybody with frailty. You've got to, you know, rely on each each individual have to be responsible and just follow the guidelines. That's all you need to do. And it's no good people moaning about a further lockdown and things like that. But the trouble is it's us who's created this further lockdown because guidelines hadn't been followed so they've got to take personal responsibility. We all
2: have, Sharon. It's been incredible to talk to you, darling. Your spirit, your spirit shines, and um, you know you put us to sh- you put us to shame. Uh, uh, you are a, an angelic human being and saintly, and um, you're so vital to this planet. So I just want to say thank you.
0: Me too. Me three. All of us have a renewed respect for the people that have kept everything going this year, from delivery drivers, your local postie, to supermarket workers, teachers. The lot of you have been brilliant. But when Robbie gets chatting to someone from his neck of the woods, he simply can't resist a little stroll taking in some stoked memories. Can you
3: remember Maxine's? yes. I spent a lot of my young adult life in Maxims. Well, listen, there was, outside of Maxims. it said
2: over 25 nights, right? There was a night and it was over yeah. 25s. And I, and I used to think to myself, over 25s? Whoa. What? I'm never going to be that old. Have you, have you noticed how my accents come back? Yeah, since all was... of a sudden, I mean, <laughs> your
1: accent is so much stronger. Do you know,
2: Sharon, right? So when I was 16 and I joined take that in interviews, my accent to be up there like that and I'd speak like right proper, like stoke. But my accent would be like girly. So I, I think that I've kind of... You call it lighter. Lighter. I kind of rounded off.
1: You thugged down. You thugged down with your voice Do, and you rounded okay, so, so
2: Okay, so uh, t- out of ten, ten being the most stoky you could be, where's my accent on that rate? You're probably seven. Seven, okay. I'll take seven. pH
1: seven.
2: I'll take seven. But if I seven. spoke to you for another two hours, I could get it up to an eight or a nine. Oh yeah,
1: you could push it up.
2: It's an absolute treat to speak to you, Doc. God bless you, Sharon.
3: Thank you I so much. That. Absolute pleasure. No, I. <laughs> Once the staff see this and know that you've done this for the trust, they are going to be absolute. You say what you do doesn't mean anything, but for us to have this attention means a lot. What a diamond Sharon is. You're listening to
0: Can't Stop Christmas, part one. Now, before we left Stoke, there was one other person to drop in on. Lisa Thompson works at North Midlands NHS Trust and joined Robbie and Ida for a chin wag.
1: Right now, I think Christmas feels kind of the most in peril it's felt, at least in my lifetime, in terms of... You know, Christmas is normally a time of celebration and festivity. And I feel like, you know, as an American, we have Thanksgiving and then it's all Christmas and you see the streets are lined with lights and it's the adverts start playing. And this year is a very different year because it's it's not about that. And it feels like we're separated from one another and there's this big invisible thing that's pushing us apart and we're we're all scared and uncertain. How are you going to kind of keep the spirit of christmas alive in the hospital and in the face of such kind of difficult situations where people can't necessarily be next to their loved ones like how how have you thought about how how to how to navigate that how to how to keep that spirit alive
4: yeah i think you're right it is really really difficult so a lot of what we're going to be doing is virtual but I tell you something for free, Christmas is not cancelled here at our hospitals, absolutely not. We will have Christmas decorations, we will have fairy lights, there will be singing, some of it's going to have to be virtual, so uh, we're running a calendar, um, a proper Christmas calendar, Advent calendar. Um, And behind each door that everybody opens, there's going to be a really great message from local people um, talking to our staff, wishing them happy Christmas. And what we're trying to do is to get the whole community, both staff and local community involved, because the one thing that COVID's taught me through this whole unprecedented period is the value of community and the community spirit It has been incredibly difficult, but the community spirit and the local spirit has just been overwhelming. Um, People have got involved sending messages. Um, So we want to really get local people involved in sending a Christmas wish to our staff and to our patients and also involving our staff and patients. So we're raising money virtually um, to make sure we've got presents on the wards for both staff and patients so we can have some fun around that mince pie delivery is not cancelled and we will have reindeer i'm absolutely passionate about reindeer we will have reindeer um and um we are lighting up christmas trees and we are going to try and make it a really really special although it will be very different time
2: and lisa for the people uh, that are listening to the podcast what what is your job
4: my job is um twofold i look after communications which um, is fantastic and I also raise money for the charity I look after the charity so in short I have the best job in the world um, because I get to talk to loads and loads of different people Um, I get to solve loads of problems hopefully for people and I get to raise money for an amazing organisation so I think I've actually got the best job in the world.
1: Do you know what's cool is between both you and Sharon I think you both you both have said that you both have the best job in the world. And I think that's a testament to when you are doing something so um, prolific, so profound that comes from a place of care, that even in the face of all this really heavy shit, that you both are sat here saying that you have the best job in the world. And that is really amazing to hear, you know, because I think I think, you know, so many people be listening to this thinking, God, it's so incredibly tough what they do and both you and Sharon have been sat here with smiles on your faces enthusiasm love hope positivity it really is um it's really special and 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 i I feel that people in your profession are truly special people with a special gift
4: well do you know what we feel we're honored I certainly feel I'm honored to have this opportunity and this position yeah and i i I think as well to um just to remember, a huge amount of the NH staff put their life on the line every day coming into work. They pee up, um, and it is uncomfortable. You um, rashes on your face, you know, you're dehydrated. They do it willingly to help other people, and we should have a bit, you know, collectively, um, we need to have respect for that and just to help everybody to stay safe because exactly like you say, nobody's... Uh, immune to this it's random it'll pick anybody and nhs staff have all got families too and they'll go home and they'll probably live with somebody who's vulnerable or they have got elderly relatives and they want to keep them safe too so we all need to work together really hard um as it is and keep everybody safe so i think that is a really good message that you're giving out there
2: i i also think that 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 message is so vitally important and I think the media needs to have some accountability where that message should be on the forefront all of the time. You know, because it seems like with the NHS out of sight and out of mind, you know, we all came on the steps and we clapped back in the day and then people stopped clapping, right? That was, that must be. And then people get used to the situation. They get used to COVID. They become a bit lax. I know I have. You know, I, I'm talking from my my perspective. Um, that's a very important message that needs to get out there. People are risking their lives daily to care for others. And uh, we have to respect that.
4: Yeah. And I just think, you know, I, I get the mess. I get that people are tired, that communities are tired of this. And, they're, um, you know, the message is a bit... Um, same old same old but it really is an important one until um, there is a vaccine until we have um, some solution to the end of this we just need to keep each other safe because family is important and community is important
2: Well listen Lisa it's wonderful to be able to speak to you and I'll just echo what we said to Sharon you're an angel and um, we're grateful that you're on the planet
0: and so say all of us so say all of us Right, time for the traditional Williams' argument. Well, less arguing, more light squabbling. This time, it's over the origin of Robbie's newest creation.
1: We do more Christmas merriment because it's kind of fun just talking about a little bit of fun stuff. Can we talk about the song and how we came up with the song? So, did you say how we yeah, came up with the song? I was just about to say, I think I just correct. Well, well, we we kind of did. Am I am I incorrect? Really, yeah. really, you're gonna take that away.
2: I like I like I like we gave birth to kids.
1: No, I did that, but we came up. I obviously didn't write all the lyrics. You obviously wrote most of them. But which who, of the I, lyrics did you write? Uh, Santa from two meters away. Excuse me.
2: It's Santa. Santa's on his way he's, uh he's two meters away Three words and you're claiming we well,
1: No, 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 excuse me, there were other lines But what I'm talking about was the concept Of the song? Yes
2: Did you come up with a concept yes, of the song? Yes, I
1: did Did you really? Yes, we were in Lake. Or was it
2: more of a combined?
1: No, no It was my concept, it was 100% My concept, you weren't even going to do A song.
2: Oh, that's true Thank you. That's true I th- could... See, see, okay, you wanted me... to take oh. all
1: the Fucking thunder away
2: let me just talk through it. So okay. I had written 50-something songs for the Christmas album. It's a double Christmas album. It came out last Christmas, and now we're going to go again with it this Christmas, but with a brand-new song on it. And I thought we were going to go with the song Bad Sharon, which is me and Tyson Fury from the album. And you went, nah, if you're going to do it, then you should do a new song. Give no, them something first fresh. First of
1: all, you make me, me sound like a whiny cow. But what I said was, because we're in... A really special time this year, and we've all gone through this collective, you know, journey that's been so trying. I said, you know, I I think, you know, it's really important to spread some hope because I think we've all felt a bit hopeless. You know, at least I certainly have, and I thought we needed an anthem, something to get us through, something to feel positive that with all these, you know, because we were talking about restrictions and lockdowns. Do we think there's going to be a lockdown in Christmas? And what's going to happen? And will we be able to see our relatives? And we were talking about that. I I just thought in my head, there needed to be something that sent out the message that no matter what the situation is, and nobody knows what it's going to be like on Christmas Day, you know, whether or not we can get together, whether or not we can be in a bubble or not be in a bubble, or we're going to get to see the ones that we love, you know is that you can't stop christmas that 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 the spirit of christmas you know kind of that religion of santa doesn't doesn't get stopped by so covid so did you come
2: up with the song title
1: yes you can't stop christmas did you yes i mean you wrote the rest of it but that was my idea you can't stop christmas was it not a
2: combined No effort? it wasn't I mean your memory is very very good. I will different. And then you were like, "No,
1: that's a really good idea" because I really felt because as the listeners might know, I'm completely obsessed with Christmas and I remember thinking, "They can't take away my Christmas." Like 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 COVID can't take away my Christmas. Like like it can't happen. And I just thought it I bet a lot of people might be feeling like that as Christmas approaches with being far away from the ones we love and literally unable to touch them or be in their presence. That we need something that makes us realize that, as I said, like walls and 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 restrictions and lockdowns don't don't mean that the spirit, the love, stops flowing, and that we can't share that love with each other, whether it's on a Zoom or on a in a letter or in a FaceTime. That you know, you know, I'll be FaceTiming my mom this Christmas, and I'm going to give her all my love and merriment. And that, and that COVID doesn't get to take that away from me. It it can pull me apart physically from her, but it can't get me to stop giving her my love on Christmas and sharing that with her. So
2: the song's called Can't Stop Christmas. And originally it was kind of, what you say, like punky, anarchic, shouty? Well, it was
1: a, no, no, it was... It, it was, was
2: pointed out that some of the lyrics needed to change, though.
1: Well, it was a slightly more rebellious than the one. But it wasn't rebellious in the sense that I think people would think. So I think that's a misstep. I just thought it was
2: It wasn't rebellious uh, like uh, go in and g- go and mix together and no, do what you no, like. No, it
1: was more like it was more like the tone of fuck you covid. Yeah. Not 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 any of the not any of the things in place, but more like you're bastard covid and you're not going to You're not going to ruin my Christmas. Yeah. And I think we softened the edges of that. I think
2: it was kind of the original lyric There was a malevolent, malevolent? Is that right? Sure. Um, Ogre. And we were pointing at it and going, you can't make us do nothing. That was what it was, wasn't it, really?
1: A little bit. Well, I think we were super angry at COVID at the time. Yeah.
2: Anyway, so we changed the lyric and now Santa's on his way. But now he's two meters away.
1: Which can be interpreted in many... Santa's
2: on his sleigh. Now he's two meters away.
1: Yeah. It's because you didn't write it.
2: That's you, why you didn't know it. You you think that's brilliant, don't you? It's because I wrote it.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I will I will say, I, I you know, it is your song. We did... <laughs> wow. Well, you were, you know...
2: Can you imagine if I sort of like gave you a semi-idea for a book and then maybe gave you the title of the book and then went, we wrote a book together.
1: <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. But when you said I didn't have anything to do with it, then I, I, had to, I had to stick my my candy cane my candy cane stick in the ground. Okay,
2: so if it was 100% the record, what split should you receive? Where, a- uh, in your mind, what split for the, for like... You? Five to 10. Five to 10%? Yeah. Five to 10%. How about two? You're
1: really cheap. Yeah, about (laughs) 2%. Fine, I'll take two. You know what? What's yours is mine anyway. So, yeah, I'll take two. Okay. The good thing about Robbie and Ida
0: is that it may sound as if they're having a disagreement, but then they always end up agreeing at some point. It's quite a skill. And one we may all need to employ at some point over this festive season when things can get a little frazzled. Now, one of the mysteries each year is knowing what will be that one thing that'll kickstart the Christmas spirit in you. For me, it's less a mystery. There's a certain song I like to sing that does it for me
1: every time. But what about Robbie and Ida? What are you thinking for the lead-up of Christmas? Do you have any...
2: Well, I turned to Teddy the other day and I said, you know what we're going to do, sweetheart, you and me... We are going to have a cup of tea with sugar in it mm-hmm. and uh, we are going to hunker down and we're going to get through some Terry's chocolate orange.
1: Oh, yeah, we are.
2: So, uh, Teddy was very, very excited about
1: that. As, as I am when I'm hearing it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Are you down for some, you know, every Christmas I like to make in the morning gingerbread waffles. Are you down to have some gingerbread waffles this
2: Absolutely. year? Absolutely. Would you like some Christmas sex? Oh God, no! Mm. Yeah.
1: Do you want Christmas sex?
2: No, I'm not bothered. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm not bothered.
1: Okay, I mean, I mean, if Christmas sex comes, there's, in the some, for-
2: there's something you could put in the stockings, and that could be you.
1: Is <laughs> is that coal? And, uh, co- uh, coal in coal uh, in your then, stocking? Or are you just c- happy to see and me? And then you could
2: come out of the the bathroom in your stockings, and like, ah, oh, what are you doing? <laughs>
1: Like that Bridget Jones diary moment where she's in the bunny suit. And You're like, no, I wasn't talking about sex. There's actually, there's actually a chocolate called sex that Cadbury's makes, and I yeah. thought you wanted some. Um, you so know. sex
2: is off the. Do wish
1: you know list. what it's? It's too merged. I'm going to be honest. It's too merged.
2: Do you know what isn't? Do you know what isn't merged? What is uh, love and affection? That's
1: right. Touch, and touch,
2: empathy, and cuddles. Oh, I want some Christmas cuddles. And constant affirmation about what a beautiful person you are and how interesting and lovely and beautiful you are to look at. Aww. Yeah.
1: You know how to get Mrs. Claus blushing. Yeah.
2: So there you go. That's what I will be providing this Christmas
1: sans sex. Sans. I mean, listen, you know, stranger things have happened.
2: Yeah, you never know if the fancy takes us.
1: If fancy takes the us. The
2: Christmas fancy.
1: <laughs> Is that what you're going to call it if it happens? The Christmas fancy. The Christmas fancy. I, I
2: just thought of myself just like dress naked with a bow around my penis. Oh, God.
1: And, oh, I'm so sorry to the people listening. And, and
2: that being the Christmas that fancy. bow.
1: <laughs> That's terrible. By the way, how'd you make a, a bow dirty?
2: When would you stop being sexy, do you think? You haven't. And what's the age that you... Is I don't it, think is you... It still, down, is it down to... Listen,
1: my mother is still, you know, quite active in that department with her boyfriend, and she is 70. And she's fighting cancer. So, That's you know, I don't think We've always said you about lose... your mom,
2: though, she loves cock. Oh, we've God, always, oh, my
1: God. We've always said oh, that, have we? Oh, God, dear. Oh, God, dear. I hope Santa's not looking down and putting me on the same list as you, because I just got struck off the friggin' list, man. Listeners, I can only
0: apologize again. And we're out of time. Seems like that may be the best thing that could happen at this point in the festive chit-chat proceedings.
1: So that's it for this episode, which we are calling Can't Stop Christmas Part 1, which suggests there is a Part 2 to come. Until next time, sing those
0: holiday songs, keep the festive spirit alive, grab some chocolate, And the Williamses will soon be back to share more of their tales of Christmas.
1: Ho, ho, ho.